Hey there, Jilted Indian Podcast listeners. It's Pooja. Anju. And Miranda. And we come with love and courage to bring you our Black History Spectacular. As you know, it is Black History Month when we are recording this. For benefits of time stamping, it is late February. Uh, And we wanted to talk about some, uh, basically we wanted to answer the question, why should brown people and daisies care about black history? So we're going to talk about the history of essentially immigration law and how that benefited brown people in the long run. And one of the many reasons, at least where you should start to appreciate the black civil rights struggle. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then we're going to talk about um, anti-black rhetoric among the brown community and the most recent displays of that. We're going to end with a cognitive shift that displays trends we like to see going in the right direction in terms of interpersonal relationships between minorities, specifically brown and black people on screen. Yes. So, all right. So the first thing we wanted to talk about is why is black history important to the brown community? Anybody? Well, I wouldn't have been here without it. Yes. Miranda? Same. I would not have been here without it. Yeah. Pooja? What, what you, I, I definitely would not have been anywhere without anything, <laughs> um, especially the toil and labor of, of black people. Ironically, in both South America, where my family has roots, and in North America, where I have put down roots for um, better lack of a term, Afro-Guyanese, Afro-Trinidadian, and African-American people started a civil rights struggle in those respective countries that benefited the late coming Indian immigrants in the long run. So to me, Black History Month is special, like triple special, Mm -hmm. right? So, okay, but I I interrupted you, continue. So the reason why, of course, is because the civil rights movement led to the overturning of a lot of racist policies, including the immigration quotas that kept brown and Asian people from coming into this country. So as of, I believe it was 1964, that was when those quotas were removed and suddenly Asians and Indians started pouring into this country. And I know that my family specifically, like were part of that wave, the later part of that wave, my parents came in the 70s. The huge diaspora that we see here in the U.S. is directly as a result of that change, specifically. Yes, and you know what is a very interesting thing to think about is when I was a kid, there was a generation of kids my age in the Indian church that I went to, and I would notice there would be that generation. And then there was the generation above mine, like the, like the strict Gen Xers that were born in the 70s, there were them. They were the teenagers. But there was never an American older than that. Yeah, no. So I, I, I'm thinking back to my experiences at church, and I'm thinking, wow. Like, now I go to church, and I'm like, damn. We're, <laughs> I thought there were a lot of Indians back when I was a kid. Now it, there's, like, an impossible count. And you don't know who anyone is, but yet somehow my mother taught them all Sunday school. I don't get how that even freaking works. <laughs> Wow, now that you're saying that, I'm thinking about it. The oldest living American, Indian American at my temple is probably 26 years old because those that's the first age of somebody being born here from the immigrants that came over in the 70s and 80s when our people, when the Caribbean Indians came over. I'm just referring to the what the civil rights law allowed in terms of immigration. In 1910, the U.S. government had passed an anti- Asian immigration bill and specifically targeting South Asians because I can't remember who said it at the time, but quote, 
Indians are the worst of the Asians, and so, <laughs> unquote. And so I guess we'll never live the plague down, but... Uh, <laughs> but... The uh, but but so they're from 1910 to 1965. In between that time, I would like to point out that not only India, but a lot of British colonies and imperial outposts gained independence during that time period. So when 1965 hit, you had a lot of brown people looking for their second home. All right. For different um, opportunities where they were previously oppressed. So this is important. Important. This is important that we honor the legacy of the people who, you know, paved that way with their blood, sweat, lives. And also there's that connection between we all know that Bayard Rustin and Martin Luther King Jr. visited India and practiced nonviolence that Mahatma Gandhi had pioneered. And, you know, we'll, one day we'll get to an episode about that baggage with Gandhi. But, uh, you know, he did help foment a movement that still, you know, nonviolent protest is still a thing today. Hunger strikes are going on today in immigration camps and prisons across America. You know, and that that's something that both of these communities and both of these spaces that are working towards equality and rights for everybody, that's important that interplay there be recognized and honored, I feel. So I feel that's it, when you're asking why should black history be honored among the brown community, that's my answer. Absolutely. Of yeah. course. And then there's, there's the overcomings. Uh, for those of us whose parents were in India before we were, came, they came over here and people like Andrew and me, we were born uh, as a first generation American, is the fact that they were living a generation just after the British Raj ended in India. So uh, how did India react to that trauma? Well, they assimilated. As a culture, they assimilated. You, I know that um, we could get into colorism and things like that, but the way uh, that white people were hailed and respected and, you know, okay, we do what you say. What We will change who we are to protect ourselves. It's, it's, it's our, their reaction to trauma. And that also changed their worldview. These are the people that are, in, that are supposed to be powerful. These are the people that we are supposed to be like. These are the people whose respect we need. That's the thing. If you consider the assimilation and the accommodation to the trauma of the British Raj, how it affected the people who were living during the British Raj, how it affected the people who were born just after the British Raj, which is my parents. Partition time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it never stopped. And then they had children, right? And then their children had children. And this problem still persists. The model minority shit. And okay, so let's talk about model minority stuff. And let's also talk about generational trauma because the studies, the most cited studies I remember reading growing up were the ones done on Holocaust survivors and how their children have PTSD based on the night terrors that their parents, the surviving, you know, that they lived through Mm -hmm. and how that translated down to the grandchildren level of fear and anxiety and depression. Right. And Mm -hmm. so like trauma is generational. That's great that we've established that. So going on, they come over to America. Right. And then that, when that mentality is living in their minds and their survival is based on A, do what they say, B, they are the ones we need to they respect. They banned us before. They'll do they, it again. Yes, they'll do it again. They are the ones to respect. Well, when you go to a country that hates black people, 
in the 60s. And you're assimilating. 70s. And you are already like wired to assimilate to this white supremacy. Well, then who becomes the enemy? All of my best friends, at least at some point, my college years, my high school years, they were black. My friends who introduced me to black culture, it, it's so crazy to me that I was seeing them and seeing their lives and, and they were showing me their, you know, what their families are like. I went to Cotillion. I, uh, you know, I went to bars where there were mostly black people and it was a freaking great time. Right. And, and the music, the culture, everything great. Right. And at the same time in my mind, and I have to be honest about this and it's very shameful to me. I knew my parents or my Indian family would never accept me dating a black man. And that has to be said out loud. And I hate that I'm the one who has to say it because I'm the one who's saying it and I hate it. I hate every word. But it was so crazy to me that my attraction to black men, to black people, it was there. And at the same time, the you're not allowed. Does that make sense how that's, there like the only person I felt like they would accept me dating is a white man oh yeah because that's definitely a thing in Indian community it's like you have to be with an Indian person preferably within our specific circle of state region religion whatever but the only other option would be a white guy like a white person is okay maybe acceptable yeah if that's what if you're going to not be with an Indian Catholic Miranda at Malayali. Um, and this is some final words my grandfather said to me before he passed away. But one of the things I remember him saying is if you just married an Indian Catholic, um, you know, Indian Catholic Malayali, it would be what's best for the family. And, and it just made me think, Hmm, well, you sure wouldn't like me dating a black guy. Then you wouldn't like me dating a Mexican guy. You wouldn't like me dating anybody white. You would accept though. Right. The only race that gets a pass is a white person. Right. It mm. is, is very linked to the trauma that had been inflicted upon the country. And then the idea that, uh, because after being pushed into these neighborhoods, being handed drugs, being given every, every single handicap that you could possibly give to a community that is, strong and hardworking and amazing and they were supposed to have had freedom a long fucking time ago they're still getting the campaign that these are lesser people they're still lesser people to white americans and yet so when they when indians come over in the 60s and they see that campaign and they see the institutionalized racism well, then they carry that campaign too. And they passed it down to their children. Well, let's be very clear about the 60s. It wasn't an open floodgate of immigration. It was the best and brightest. Your doctors, your engineers, your, your professionals. That's who they were coming over. And what did that do? That fed right onto the, the conveyor belt of model minority right. status, right? And so I have noticed this. In my travels of the world and talking to people who travel specifically to Asian countries, I asked this question. And so one of the biggest exports of American culture, of America, is black culture, 
across the globe right right? and so specifically when you're talking about it being in asia you you want to examine that juxtaposition of thought here you have you want to emulate the most popular cultural phenomenon in america right black culture let's just say that but when you interact with black people or you think about black people as human you're just like wait no huh what like to me that's how I understand the concept that people can hold dual thoughts at the same time, <laughs> but this is not one you should hold. One should push the other it's out of your brain. You're either a racist or you're not. That's what that's what my point is. We have to, as a group, talk about this shame. If we don't talk about the anti-black sentiment that had been passed down to us because we were too busy being the best minority, if we don't talk about that, if we don't talk about the shame of it, it continues. One of the shames of that continuing is the brown community's participation in the affirmative action lawsuits against any of the higher institutions of learning, challenging quote unquote quotas, challenging affirmative action as an ideal and a a leveling stick because your baby didn't get into Harvard. Like, who cares? (laughs) Just that goes back to our whole point about being shitty Indians and all that stuff. Who cares? You have no excuse to not understand. We're not brand new immigrants anymore. You have no excuse not to understand the point of affirmative action. Oh, my God. And there's that whole Patriot Act show by Hassan Minaj where he goes through it and he's like, why is there a movie called Aquila and the Bee? Yeah. Are you shitting me? Yeah. And I mean, Hassan did not make fun of that man's obvious toupee, but I think we should. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, it's so nutty to me because Indian kids are not allowed to not be smart. There's that one shame. And then there's the other one. Indian kids are not allowed to be poor. Yeah. It like, we're not allowed to not be these things and, and to be these things is shameful. So what do parents do because they're so afraid of that is they do shit like that man. Um, trying to take down affirmative action in high courts because his kid would rather be smoking pot and getting laid somewhere than making straight A's and going to an Ivy League school. Sorry, dude. And 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 uh, there's so many things wrapped up in here, but like the biggest thing about anti-black sentiment. Mm-hmm. Let's let's bring out an old favorite segment. The shade tree. The shade tree. I thought it was bright out here. It was bright. Let's let's do ourselves a favor and gather some of our own who need to not be doing what they doing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I have a submission mm. for you. Mm. In uh, current season of Bravo's Top Chef, the hosts Padma Lakshmi has been supporting some awesome wigs this season. Like it's given me some ideas. I will be wearing wigs this fall, but. One of the wigs she wore, I'm hoping it was a wig. No, she had her hair done like this. She had cornrows put in her hair, and she wore a white tank top with that and denim, bell-bottom, wide-leg pants. To me, that's a specific look that has been appropriated into quote-unquote high fashion, and I want to gather her under the shade tree And I want to ask her why she doesn't understand that that is like a really gross thing to do for two reasons. One, it's appropriative of a certain look from a certain community. Number two, it's Black History Month. That Yes, that's the overarching bullshit of this. Uh, And then number two, nobody on, on obviously our 
who I can't even get the words out. I'm so full mux. Like, <laughs> are there no black wardrobe people at Bravo? Like, who let her walk out like that? Who let Probably her not. Walk no, out? Let's okay. Be real. And 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 number two. And I'm sorry. That's two number twos. No, haha. Number three. <laughs> I'm an adult woman. Number three. Black people have been demonized and marginalized for that exact look for decades yes. we're not even going to scratch the surface and talk about how cornrows or box braids if you if has it's been gentrified and called is a protective hairstyle for african-american women who have certain and, and men who have certain specific requirements to care for their hair and braiding it like that protects it from overstyling and lets it grow and things like that and so they were told that that is a unprofessional b dirty and and things like that and so they could not wear natural hair to work and be seen as a professional person and here you are wearing it like a fucking trend to me it's a different form of blackface because it's donning something you can take off and not be marginalized for Mm. okay and that's why it's shitty that's why it's super shitty and she needs to be gathered i feel like that's the definition, the real definition of cultural appropriation. Like, that's really the problem with cultural appropriation right. is the idea that you're taking something that a group is shitted on for, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. But that you can put on and celebrate and then take off. And you gave some other people money for essentially wearing cornrows and a and quote unquote wife beater. Like, yeah. a high, you high ended that, and that's monetizing a culture. And we know how we feel about cultural appropriation on here. We won't beat you to death with it. But, to me it's like extra marginalization like you see the culture is racial because only black americans did that that's what they're drawing on i know other black people around the world wear box braids wear cornrows i know that but i'm seeing the specific pairing of denim a white tank top and cornrows in the south because this episode's in kentucky that's a significant signifier. Yeah, that, that was messed up. Right now, we're at that point in time where we're reexamining everything about how it causes pain. And I think that in the midst of us reckoning with how we have marginalized black women specifically, and Padma, people all around you in media talk about this, the fact that you trotted out wearing that mm. is bothersome. Mm-hmm. For somebody who who is on Twitter, very woke, very impassioned, very, very knowledgeable about certain things, and this is a blind spot, and we here, the Jilted Indian podcast, are, you know, I mean, okay, shading something is not necessarily shining light on it, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) but... I noticed that not a lot of people tried to gather her for this. And also because she's she's beloved, and and so it's getting a pass. I think it's because people think of, she's... She's earned her cred as a woke person, and mm. so that's why it's given a pass. But, yeah. but you can take it as a learning opportunity or as a teaching moment, you know. And it is a blind spot. It's something that she needs to be made aware of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she can do better. For so sure. uh, you know, there are also. Here's the cool part. Mm-hmm. We are also at the same time this shit's going on. Back into the light. Back into the light. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There are a lot of stories coming out in movies and TV shows where we're seeing black people and South Asians in coupledom, in stories together, uh, friendships. We're seeing all of this happening in several shows. It wasn't like 
Mississippi Masala, and then 20 years passed with nothing else happening. <laughs> Shout out to Mira Nair for being <laughs> way ahead of the curve. Way yeah. ahead of the curve. But, you know, now we have shows like um, I noticed Tahani and Chidi on The Good Place in, I think it was season one or it something. It was season one, yes. And I was so hoping they would be together because they were both prissy. And I just wanted <laughs> And neurotic. Them, yeah, super neurotic, and I wanted them to be together so hard. So there was this part of the narrative where they were just, they were almost together. There was also a movie coming out with Kumail and Issa mm-hmm. Ray. And that's coming out where there it's a love story between the two of them. A romantic comedy starring mm. no white people. I mean, not no <laughs> white people, but as the leads. Right. Neither of them is a white person. I'm I'm excited to see that. Now, I know we are salty about how Indian women were portrayed in The Big Sick, but we're not going to talk about that today. We just wanted to bring it up just to I be salty. I feel like that was pointed at me, so I have no comment. <laughs> <laughs> I think Miranda was speaking for herself. Yes. Uh, well, um, okay. I, so, will, I will say we have varying levels of feelings on that. Varying levels of feelings. <laughs> I'll just say this. I'd rather it be Dave Patel. Okay? Speaking of Dave Patel. Wait, I thought um, she hated Dave Patel. I thought he was dead That's to what you. I'm saying. Okay, I'm saying. <laughs> but, but also, speaking of that, like Jessica Williams and Phoebe Robinson and Two Dope Queens, they talk about Dave Patel all the time. And they're just like, they, they always bring up whenever people's hottest man of the year comes out, they always bring him up. We're seeing it from Eastern Asian Americans as well. Like to all the boys I loved before, one of um, Laura Jean's love interests was a black boy in school when she, and they went to a dance together, I think. And then there's Crazy Ex-Girlfriend where the beloved hot dummy, Josh, he's really <laughs> good looking, but goddamn. Um, anyway. <laughs> He's in love with this super beautiful black girl at the place that he worked. Um, and I'm, I feel really bad for him that they didn't get together because she's normal. So, <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe she dodged a bullet. But mm. I'm talking about a show and these aren't real people. But um, it's nice to see. It's nice to see. It's nice to see finally reflecting real life. Yeah. Right. You know, because... Go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh, my God. That's where they died. (laughs) (laughs) And they died being overpolite. Miranda was the only one left. (laughs) Well, I forgot my point, so you go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) That is where we died. (laughs) It is where we died. Um, We were talking about Asian Americans. I just had another example that I wanted to throw out is that I am watching New Amsterdam, Mm. and another random subtle one is that Sandal Ramamurthy has shown up as a recurring guest character to be the love interest for the one of the the main doctors Freema Ajaman who is a black woman black and Persian actually in real life but yeah it was really kind of a cool moment to see them together and be like man first of all they are both very pretty and second of all it's such an unusual pairing and I was super psyched about it it was almost Blair Underwood and Priyanka Chopra on Quantico the shows that you guys wouldn't watch but um it there was massive massive sexual tension between those two and I was like come on make it happen you two do it for us do it for us and so it i they i feel like uh yeah 
more of that, please. Like, and we were trying to find out before this episode when two when when Brown Girls the web series was going to transition to HBO. We could not find it, but that's another example. They're showing two best friends: an Indian girl, an Indian Muslim American girl, and a Black American girl and hat woman. Sorry, they're both women, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and how you know there's similarities and differences. And I think I'm here for relationships not rooted in whiteness because I think that not only is it just like that goes into things about what people consider the default, but there are different stories to be told when you are in a relationship with somebody of a different race that isn't white. Right. Cause that's, it's like, Oh, I didn't know you guys did that too. Oh, Oh, I wonder if that has to do with the fact that we both were in former British colonies. Like, you know, just things mm. like that come up and you're like, Oh, let's, Tell this story so I can see myself on screen, <laughs> you know? Right. Right. Um, we are beginning to see that cognitive shift in stories, which is great because stories are the greatest, aid, like they're the most effective agent of change. And so if we're seeing it regularly as our entertainment, it is a that has a profound effect on not only uh, the young generations that are watching these stories, it's a slap in the face of the older the elder millennial and the younger gen x or the gen x people that thought oh that oh oh and it and and to think you know what did i miss out on by this weird ass boundary that i drew because i thought it was unacceptable i hope people are thinking that way Mm -hmm. it's a shame we have to bring into the light or it will never go away at yes. least it'll it'll continue to hurt us. Yes. So, um, so in closing, in closing, celebrate Black History Month because we literally would not be here. Also, we didn't talk about it as much, but not only would we not be here, but there's also all the ways in which we benefit from being here, also based on the equal rights protections that black people fought for yes Correct. that was an ipso facto thing i thought people would have drawn that right. conclusion i mean it was implied I no. yes. we yes. benefit from affirmative action and all kinds of other policies that were and that was my result blind. of yeah. yeah and that was my blind spot and we also talked about padma lakshmi's blind spot <laughs> in this episode and the and you know fashion is a thing fashion is art i get it but if i mean like Please vet and know what the hell you're wearing and did why. Did you ask a black person? Yeah, we did a whole episode called Ask a Goddamn Indian. Yeah, like, ask you know, a black person. And if you, and there's an article we will share in our show notes about, where did somebody in this group already share it, um, about the importance of your kids having other minorities as friends. And that's an example of, yes. of not. Padma is an example of, there was nobody there to gather her. Right. Yes. So uh, please, she please. will, she will emerge from the shade tree, but she's there for right now. Yeah. Yeah. And Just then, please have friends that will check your shit. Don't. Ugh. Yes. Yes. So celebrate black history. Don't steal from black people for your personal benefit, which, you know, general rule in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also, you know, be aware of how stories are being changed are changing to reflect a new reality. And hopefully that's a look in the right direction or move in the right direction. Looking in the right direction is easy, but moving there is harder, right? Yeah. yeah. And before we sign off, um, shout out to Beyonce and Jay-Z accepting a Brit Award in front of a portrait of Meghan Markle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was maybe my just one of my favorite things to occur. Uh, and 
I wish one day somebody will accept an award in front of a portrait of me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, during Asian American History Month or something. Is that that a thing? No. Asian American Heritage (laughs) Month, it's May. Is it really? Yeah. Things I did not know. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Until... Next time, uh, we have our first full episode coming up. Yes. So this was a nice pre-season bonus. Yes. And um, we're pumped to share new stuff with y'all. <laughs> All right. Until then, um, this has been Miranda. Anju. And Pooja. We came with love and courage and hope you go in peace and power. And happy Black History Month. With the Jilted Indian Podcast. Oh, yeah. That's who we are. <laughs> <laughs>